please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. This is uh, Monday morning. Is that uh, the 16th of uh, March? 16th of March, 2020. And uh, my name is Rick Bonfim. Uh, we are Rick Bonfim Ministries. It's a small mission agency that runs all over the world, preaching and doing mission work and blessing people and, uh, and conducting meetings and conferences and uh, revivals. And uh, it's just a way to to be a, a very uh, positive Christian walk with the Lord Jesus and, and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is our definition. And so, I want to talk to you about uh, John 4. Because this last month, I've been trying to tell you that uh, the prophetic aspect of the life of Jesus is good to know and understand and also exercise. Here's a prophetic prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I speak against the coronavirus in my, in my neighborhood, in my city, in my state, and all over this nation. I come against it in the future, that the deaths that are occurring will stop in the next two weeks and there'll be a decline in two weeks in Jesus' name. Now, that's prophetic. Because I'm speaking to something that I want to happen. Now, the difference here in the key of what I've been trying to tell you is that that prayer has to be a revelation from God to me to be prophetic. To just say it, it's not uh, uh, altogether right. It's a revelation from God. It's hearing from the Lord. And so, uh, we're going to look at the Gospel of John in chapter 4. You remember the story. It's about uh, uh, a well called Jacob's well. I have a lot of information today. So, but I want to, to concentrate on the topic of the power of salvation. The power of salvation. By the way, there are many people following us, at least another 80 or 90 nations throughout the world that check on this website, uh, all over the world, uh, in Brazil, in the U.S. A lot of people are listening and hearing. Uh, they don't do it at the same time. They come in when they, when they uh, have time to spend 30 minutes with me or with uh, someone in our staff, uh, Frank Appel, uh, John Dunn, or, or uh, uh, Betty McKinney, or even our intern, which has been a, a wonderful blessing. Uh, his name is, uh, uh, what's the Matthew name of Matthew, Matthew Follick. And, uh, and so, we want you to sit back, relax a little bit. And uh, the title is The Power of Salvation. Amen. Now, John in chapter 4 clearly describes the transfer of power from God to persons. Even though Jesus made more disciples than John at the transfer of power from John the Baptist to Jesus, he himself, Jesus, baptized none. So the question is this, really, is baptism necessary for salvation? 
That's the first question. Uh, the next question is, uh, and we go on to that in, in that area, but let me just go verse 3 here. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. So verse 3 is the first movement of the Lord from, uh, from Judea into, uh, into Galilee. There's a direction. In, in verse 4, and he must need to go through Samaria. Must need means he had to go. Obviously, the Holy Spirit was uh, 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 pressing upon the Lord to go through Samaria. The question is this, why do you want to go through Samaria? Uh, to see a woman at the well? Or to revisit his ancestry? You know, I mean, I, uh, uh, when I go to Brazil... I go to Santa Barbara, and of course, <laughs> I uh, I want to see my father's house down there. It used to be inside of that sanctuary, and uh, and uh, and be in that environment a little bit. Uh, that one of the reasons why I go to Brazil is to preach the gospel, but also to be to remember my father and mother. Now, how important Joseph was to Jesus? Yeah. Uh, Jacob's son, Joseph. How important was Joseph to Jesus? Oh, very important because Jesus belongs in the lineage of one of her children. What is the lineage of, of Reuben, isn't it? Uh, he belongs... She, he belongs to, 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 to that area, to those people that were there, the twelve tribes of Israel. And so... And so um, if you go into Genesis, I don't want to go there because I'm not supposed to because it will take us away from uh, the Bible study. Yeah. Amen? But uh, but uh, uh, if you go into Genesis 49, you, you hear uh, the, the children of, of Jacob, Reuben, uh, Simeon, and of course you come to Judah, and the scepter shall not depart from Judah, meaning the authority of Jesus Christ is based on Judah, which <coughs> means that Judah was meant to be the guardian of the law, which they were, a part of the tribe of Judah, until Shiloh comes, when Jesus comes. And unto him shall be gathering our other people. And so, and so, Judah is in the lineage of, of Jesus. And so, what is Jesus doing going to the lake, stopping and moving in that area? If you look at the way to go to that area, you can go on the, on the east side of the Jordan, you know, uh, and move up and then cross to Jericho and go up that way and you come to the area called Shechem which is occupied uh, territory, West Bank. So the question is this, is Jesus going through Samaria to meet a woman or also to just drink a little water on that, on that, on that uh, Jacob's well? I believe that uh, Jesus is moving led by the Spirit uh, first to meet a soul 
and second, to meet his inheritance, meet his, his, his family, meet where he came from, meet a place famous in his lifetime, which is the well. So, going through Samaria, near a town called uh, Sychar, that's what verse 4 says, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Remember that? So the city is no longer in existence today. But in the area of biblical Shechem, there's a place called Tel Balat, Balata, Tel Balata, near well. Uh, Joseph bought the land from Shechem and lived there for a long time, Genesis 33:19. So you see Jesus leaving Galilee and moving into an area that it is uh, 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 historical in the Bible. Now, the power to baptize from Jesus to repentance is about to be explained to you now as we're going to this story. When Jesus meets a woman at the well, and of course, there's water in the well. And again, the same theme begins to be begins to repeat. Jesus says to Nicodemus, unless you're born of the water and the Spirit, you cannot come into the kingdom of God. So again, water comes into the scene from the from the uh, from the Jacob Jacob's well. So I want to sort of uh, uh by the way, the little the little uh the little town of uh, of Latabata, B- B- Balata, uh, uh, the well is inside of a little church. The Greek Orthodox Church in 1839 bought that land, and and there's it's uh, the Jacob's well is inside of a a Greek Orthodox church in the West Bank, and of course you pay a little money there and you go inside and you see it, and 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 so 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 Jesus there was no church around it, so Jesus is sitting there. And uh, and uh, uh, he meets this woman. It's uh, it's in John chapter four. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about uh, six hour. The six hour was what twelve o'clock noon. So there's the beginning of of explaining how to relate the gospel, because you see, uh, John the Baptist. Uh, baptized, but Jesus baptized none. And so, what happens from Jesus to John the Baptist? Is there a power in the, well, there's a power in the confession, there's a power in repentance, and and water then symbolizes a seal upon a decision, a seal upon an idea, a concept, and when you seal, it's done forever. So, now let's take a look at two things because now Jesus, you know, I told you that uh, we're going to talk about the power of salvation, how the, how the transfer of authority happens. John the Baptist baptized to repentance, and of course uh, 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 the disciples of Jesus did the baptism, and, and, and of course Paul did the same. So what is the difference between baptizing and preaching? Now, when you look at this, you look at Paul. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 16, and 17, I thank God that I baptized none of us but Crippus, Crippus, uh, uh, and Gaius. Water baptism is not essential to salvation, Paul says, but he baptized a few. So the power of the gospel is superior than water baptism. Because water is a symbol of, of or a seal, but water doesn't save. What saves is the power of the Holy Spirit, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. So water is not the case. But water also is part of, of healing and cleansing and delivering. And so verse 17 says, uh, let's take a look at verse 17. Uh, I don't know where that verse 17 came from here. But, uh, for Christ sent not to be baptized, but to preach the gospel, not with words of wisdom. That's 1 Corinthians. Uh, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. So the purpose here is preaching. Jesus is preaching in a historical setting. So now, where is the prophetic in all of this? Is that Jesus leaves uh, Judah, Judea, and he moves north into the middle of the country instead of going on the other side of the Jordan, and he comes into an area called Shechem and uh, and the uh, West Bank, and he in that area is in the midst of history. That's where that's where Jacob uh, uh, was Joseph was buried, and uh, and uh, they brought his their bones of Joseph to Shechem. And on a parcel of land that Jacob purchased in Shechem. And, and, and of course, Joseph was, was buried there. So remember, the prophetic then runs under the historical. The historical shows where, hap- where, where what, when it happens. And the prophetic is that power that carries the message, the word the strength, the power to save, to deliver, to heal. The historical points, the fact, the prophetic institutes the truth in the lives of people. So the prophetic repeats what God has said in the historical. The prophetic repeats what God has said in the historical. For instance, the Assyrians came in in Samaria in 722 before Christ in Killed everybody, deported all the business people out of there, and settled the land with, with foreigners who intermarried with the surviving Israelites in their religion. Second Kings 17 to in chapter 17 and, and 18. Second Kings chapter 17 and 18 tells us all of that. After the exile, the Jews came back to the land and saw Samarias uh, as, as half-breeds and they would not interact with them. So Jesus then comes in the midst of a Samaria environment. You probably say, well, he's trying to just, you know, be nice to, uh, to uh, a, a woman uh, that he's going to meet. That, that's a good thought. But that's more than that. Jesus came in that area, in order to bring the gospel to an area where most of the people there worship on, uh, in another mountain. 
They did not worship the God of Israel. They worship idols. And what I'm saying to you is that the presence of the Holy Spirit does not bow down to the historical facts. When it comes anywhere, it comes to change. It comes to renew. It comes to... Listen, I went to a church in South Georgia. And in the morning, uh, study, Bible study, uh, Saturday morning, a man just came in with all kinds of information, all kinds of... They're all historical. But there's no Holy Spirit power in it. Why? Because they deny it. And so you have a form of godliness that denies the power. Because when the power comes, it's completely different. And Jesus is bringing the power into a historical area that was completely sold out to the devil. <clears throat> and what I'm saying to you uh, today is that the power of the trip of Jesus to, to Samaria is much greater than what we think. He met a woman, yes, and we're going to talk about that in the next few days. There's a lot of scripture in chapter 4 of John, a lot of historical, a lot of prophetic. But we have to get hold of why Jesus went into that area. Do you think that uh, Joseph was greater than the woman of Samaria? Yes. Don't you think that, that, that the remembrance of Jacob was greater than this woman? Yes. The prophetic in that area is, is for 2,000 years, 3,000 years uh, uh, before that, where, where the, 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 the 12 tribes came together and, and, and Jacob prophesied his deathbed and now Joseph <clears throat> comes to be buried in a partial land that his father bought so his family could be buried. And, uh, and of course, Judah is the lineage of Jesus. So, so as, as, as Jesus comes in that area, he's walking into the historical that is prophetic. So that is why Jesus came in that area. So you probably say, well, Jesus came in that area because it just happened. No, it doesn't happen. You don't pass by the wall of Jacob and it happens. Right. You, know, you just don't pass by the wall of Jacob. and it just, Jesus had the idea of drinking some of that water way in Jerusalem. Right. You know, I, I'm going to go north and meet my, my brother, you know, uh, Jacob's family where jo- Joseph is, is buried. And I want to go over there and sit on that wall a little bit, well a little bit and taste, taste my forefathers and taste my family where the lineage came toward me. And, uh, and, uh, and of course, you can study that lineage, okay, and all the, all the sons of Jacob. But I want you to know that without the sons of Jacob, that wouldn't be Jesus. That wouldn't be Abraham. Amen? That wouldn't be... Uh, 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 Ahab, what is the what is the woman, the, the prostitute that uh, Rahab. Rahab wouldn't have been Joseph, and and so what I'm saying to you is that the visit of Jesus to the area of Samaria is one number one is to is to, is to confirm that Jesus is moving in the prophetic. Number two. He is about now to explain how the power of the Holy Spirit operates in ministers in an area of salvation. Now there are two scriptures that follow back to back. One is Nicodemus, and then on chapter 3 of John, and then 
is is uh, uh, the woman at the well. So these two large amount of scriptures. You know, if you look carefully on chapter three, there's about thirty thirty six verses. If you go in chapter four of John, it's close to thirty one verses, meaning there are large blocks of scriptures. One deals with Nicodemus, and we dealt with that. The other one deals with the woman at the well. And, uh, and so this morning, we're trying to understand the power of salvation. How does the power transfers uh, to... Because you see, the disciples had, had no power, except that Jesus gave to them. So Jesus is above the disciples. So when the disciple accepts Jesus and follows Him, the power that is in Jesus is transferred to the disciple. And He is able to baptize and confirm salvation. Do you believe that this is the Son of God? Yes. Come here, I'll baptize you. Jesus didn't baptize anybody. Only, only, only the disciples. So the transfer of power comes with surrender, believe, surrender and believing and accepting and repentance. As you repent, and you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, power comes over your life to disciple, to minister, to preach, to teach. Does that make sense? So now let's take a look. Okay? Let's take a look at verse 7. Because verse 7 is the interaction. I won't be able to do this today all the way to verse 35 or 31, uh, but tomorrow and all the way to Thursday... I'll deal with that, and we'll talk about this scripture, because it's a very, very profound scripture. Verse 7, chapter 4 of John. Give me to drink. Of course, she was so concerned that Jews do not relate to Samaritans. And, and, uh, and so Jesus uh, had looked Jewish, or the Samaritans looked Samaritans, Visually, it, it's kind of it's kind of a very uh, uh, given to you, and so she asked the reason for the request. Why would you, being a Jew, ask me to something to drink? That's that's no fit here. And Jesus does three things to introduce the gospel to her. Very simple three things. Number one, he says to her, if you knew the gift of God. If you knew. You see, prevenient grace, it is the power of the Holy Spirit convincing you and sharing with you. And I tell you, Americans know about Jesus. Americans heard about Jesus. Americans understand He died on the cross. Americans understand that that. He is the Savior. The Americans understand He died and resurrected and went to heaven and returned. Everybody knows that. That's just, that's just God given. But to understand, know the gift of God, it's another thing. Because when you know the gift of God in your heart, you believe in it. And then the second thing she says is this, who, who it is, who it is who says to you, give me a drink. In other words, you don't know nothing about the gift of God. And number two, you don't know who I am. 
have no idea who I am. You look at me and you think I'm dealing, uh, I'm just a prophet or somebody passing by that's thirsty. But there's something about Jesus. You don't know who I am, who asked you to give a drink. And number three, he would have given you living water. And she didn't know what living water was. So this person is a clear example that is a hundred, three hundred, a million percent different than Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus was a mentor, a teacher, a gifted teacher. Not only that, but a very well instructed man and intellectual. And he rationalizes Jesus from a different perspective. And it's hard to sort of understand Nicodemus without understanding his mind. But not here. Over here, we're talking about a woman... A plain, simple woman from Samaria. And she is meeting the Son of God. And so, let's take a look at that. So the preaching here turns to teaching. Jeremiah 2.13 says, My people committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water have dug their own cisterns that cannot hold water. They have rejected the fresh supply of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. Jeremiah 2.13, I'm reading it again. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, number one, the spring of living water. Now, in this sense, they knew the living water is there, but they resist. In other words, I come from a time where the Holy Spirit is bad news. It comes from the devil. I've been told by church leaders that you have demons in you because you speak in tongues. I've been told. So the people who said that do not even understand who living, what living water is. So they can't be a part of salvation because it's impossible to be a part of salvation without the Holy Spirit. So the, the, the preaching here turns into teaching. We're talking about the woman at the well. We're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit to heal. And we have to pay very close attention because Jesus is in a historical setting that takes him back all the way to Jacob chapter 39 of Genesis. So Jesus is aware of that. He was with Jacob as he passes away. He was with Joseph as he is thrown into a, a, a cistern. Uh, and and uh, and uh, the Amalekites uh, and, and and they they kill an animal and put on his jacket to take it home to Jacob, uh, thinking that uh, he was killed by an animal. And and little Joseph goes to Egypt and begins to prophesy and prophesy and prophesy in jail. And that took him to be the second in charge of of, of Egypt under Pharaoh. And so. Jesus is aware. He was a part of that historical setting from the beginning. And now suddenly, in the midst of nowhere, close to a Jacob's well, right sitting on it, Jesus began to explain the gospel to a woman. You, you see the difference? In other words, the, the historical is so large here. The prophetic is so large here. You know, it's like... If you're born in Tennessee, you go back to Tennessee, 
and you are in Tennessee mountains, you're home. This is where I, I was born. That's where the hospital is, where I was born in that hospital. I know everybody around here. See, you're, you're in your perfect setting. You understand? When I go to Brazil, I go to the mission, and I vision my father's house. You know, we build a church on top of it. And we vision the house. And, and I love to go over there just to look at that, pick on that window to see that. Jesus is in the midst of the historical. Being, in, being baptized by the Holy Spirit in the River Jordan. And he has a confrontation with a woman. How he's going to connect the historical, the prophetic, to a woman that knew nothing. Now, there's got to be power here. I'm talking about the power of salvation. Because the power of salvation floats on top of the prophetic. If you understand the prophetic, it's, it's power. Because God reveals the man says, and the people believe and are saved. And so, I want you to sort of a, spend some time with this. So let me take a look. Now the preaching turns to from teaching. From preaching to teaching. Jeremiah 2.13, one more time. My people committed two sins. Number one, they have forsaken me, the spring of living water. That's the first one. They've forsaken living water. Now, there will be a talk between Jesus and this woman about living water. So Jesus is dealing with Old Testament. Jeremiah, he's talking prophetic. Jeremiah said, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. And suddenly right here, Jesus is referring thousands of years later to living water. He says to her, let me repeat what he says to her. If you knew the gift of God, salvation, who is it who says to you, who it is who says to you, give me a drink, me, Jesus? He would have given you living water. Meaning, you, know, you don't know about the gift of salvation. Number two, you don't know who's standing before you, talking to you, to asking you a drink. And number three, if you knew it, I, he, I would have given you living water. That's Jeremiah's understanding of salvation, living water. You never thirst again spiritually. You'll be satiated with like and power and strength. So, I have several scriptures here, but I don't have time today. The power of salvation, say with me, the power of salvation resides in the heart of Jesus and His Holy Spirit. Living water is power. It's power. Power. I pray that you receive power today. That the living water of the Holy Spirit come upon you and deliver you from unbelief. Deliver you from fear. Fear of finances. Fear of failure. Fear of coronavirus. Fear of any bug around. In other words, I'm telling you, uh, uh, there's a room here next door to me that uh, the, the wall, the window is uh, uh, actually uh, uh, water damage. So there's a lot of stinky little bugs all over the place. 
There's more death in that room right now than all over the United States. You go over there, you got out smelly, and they bite you, make you, make you hurt you. Uh, in other words, there are many, many more bugs available if you don't like this one. God, it's all over the world. We're living in an end times to where unbelief is so great. The bug of unbelief is greater than coronavirus. And I, I want to call you to receive living water. To say, come Lord Jesus, save my soul. I repent of my sins. I believe that you are. See, go, go and do exactly what she didn't do. Say, I know you are the gift of God. Say it. I know you are the gift of God. I know who, who you are to say, give me a drink. And, uh, and you'd say, give me living water, Lord. That's what I want, a cup of living water. I want this belief, this faith that can overcome everything. In Jesus' name, amen. See you tomorrow. Amen. We'll continue tomorrow in John chapter 4, okay? So don't, don't go away tomorrow at exactly 9 o'clock, Easter Standard Time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit com for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.lateran.com for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.lateran.com for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in.